When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 587. Going to recap the week five fab as usual. Talk about some uh, April uh, baseball savant leaderboards and changes from year to year. All kinds of cool stuff. And in order to do that, first, you can follow me on Twitter at BDNTrick if you like. Uh, I have my my buddy joining me yet again uh, to, to do some fab recap and stuff. You can find his work over on Game of the Edge Fantasy, on The Athletic, probably a million other places. Um, he's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm getting used to this weekly uh, meeting, buddy. Yep, I give you the I give you the text if you're available. You're in. If not, it's all good. So it's working out so far. So far, so good. I'm, if people are sick of me, I'm sorry. I'm not going anywhere. But um, hope you can get used to hearing my voice. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's a good uh, yin and yang. But uh, as usual, I, I uh, they should know by now. But uh, where can they find you? What you got going on? Right now, it's really just we're kind of just going with the flow of things. I know you and I are working on a little extra something for the Patreon right now, so that's to be determined and announced later. But other than that, kind of the same stuff, you know, the lineup analysis, the playing time trends, all that good stuff and more, you know, three, four, five times. I think it's like five times plus a week right now. It might be mm-hmm. almost daily. But uh, that's what I'm doing right now for the Patreon. Still have the uh, – I guess I can add this podcast with you <laughs> as part of Almost, one. yeah, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff, you know, tweeting out stuff every day. So if you want to see what I'm doing or see what's, or if you have a question about player, I could I, I take requests via breakdowns. I just do it all on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. So. Yep, it's good stuff that uh, he's putting out over there in the whole group, you know, Jorge, Simeon. It's, uh, there's a lot of content every single day. So I take he, full credit. I know. I, I, figured, <laughs> I figured as much, but uh, you also take full. He'll never take the fall. So just remember that, folks. He's yeah. That kind of guy. Come on. Uh, so what we're going to do here is usually we've been you know picking a couple players to break down and doing it that route. But uh, we'll do it a little different since April just ended. It's May 2nd as we record. We'll look at baseball savant and we look at the, um, the year-to-year leaderboard shifts. And we'll go over some of the leaderboards and some of the names that just stand out. Like, hey, is this legit? What are we thinking? So we'll start with hard hit percentages um, from 2022 to 2023 so far. And um, leading off the top, we'll go through the top 10. With the, the top name is Joey Gallo with a 72.7% hard hit rate right now compared to 50, 50.5%. He's crushing it. I know I've talked about him with gaining the edge in some articles. I've talked about him with you guys. I've added him in a ton of places. 
I understand the risk in Joey Gallo, but I've also broken down what I love about Joey Gallo with the improved uh, plate skills. The um, fly ball rates are through the roof, which are helping with the hard hit and barrel rate. Uh, I think there's a lot to like here with Joey Gallo. Health is always a concern, but uh, in the end, will he slump? Probably. But if he can even hit 220, I'll be excited for what he can bring to the table. And he's playing first base every day, and he's playing good enough that it kept Alex Carroll off in AAA once he was healthy. So what are your thoughts on Joey Gallo? Because 72.7%, likely unsustainable. At the same time, if anybody can do it, Joey's probably one of like the, the five or six. Yeah, I'm just uh, – it's the Joey Gallo experience. So he came off of a five-game hit streak, one, one for four in four of those games. And he followed that – you know, five game history cup with now, including tonight, 0412 in his last three games. <laughs> that is Joey Gallo in a nutshell, yeah. folks. Yeah, he's uh he is what he is. You know what you're getting. I had a question floated out to me because I guess with Harper returning, somebody was in a playing time crunch crunch. And I honestly I didn't know which way to go with this. It was uh would you drop Jose Abreu or Joey Gallo? Uh, he tried trading Abreu, Abreu's name values in the dirt. I have a, I had a hard time. I was like, I guess if you're in that type of pinch, Abreu's not showing any signs of life, and I don't like the idea of dropping him, but I don't want to drop Gallo either. You know what I mean? Like, I want the guy who's producing, and if Gallo's going to hit me 220, but, you know, close, he'll hit me 30-plus bombs the rest of the way, or at least 20 more the rest of the way probably, get easily, I'd say. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaning Gallo, but I felt like it felt dirty to say that because I'm, I'm not ready to give up on Abreu. It's just one of those, if you're truly in that type of pinch, I honestly had a hard time. I'm like, I don't want to pick here. Ask someone else. Let someone else, you know, give you an answer with more confidence because I didn't have the confidence for that. Well, let's have some fun here. Let's talk about Jose Abreu because uh, I've written about him at Fantasy Pros this past week. It's been a question in the discords, like you mentioned. Um, like, do I drop Joey? Like, it wasn't even – I've seen it not even just in the Joey Gallo scenario. It's like, do I drop Jose Abreu? Like, what are we doing with Jose Abreu? And, you know, you look at him, and he's hitting 231 on the year. This is what tonight's stats included. Four doubles, no home runs, only 13 RBIs, only walking 3% striking out 21% and he's uh, still hitting cleanup for some reason. It's pretty bonkers when you look at what he's doing. Cause you even like go under the hood even more. And you look at like the stat cast numbers of 5.4% barrel by far the worst of his career, 36.9% hard hit by fall close to the worst of his career 2016 as well. It's just really, really bad because like the ground ball rates are pretty similar. He's actually hitting more fly balls now. Just he's not squaring them up at all. So what's your thoughts on this one, Curlin? Because I still can't drop Joey Gallo. Like you said, I can't give up on Joey Gallo. I sure as hell am not starting him where I have an option right now. I have him on my bench. But it is, it's May. We're a month into the season. And it's going to be close to where you're like, you know what? We might need to move on from uh, Jose Abreu. And that's where it gets real interesting. You said you can't drop Joey Gallo. I, I, know, I, meant sure. Jose Abreu. I figured I you meant Jose that. Abreu. I wanted to make sure people listening that yeah. understood that. I'm sure they realized it, but. We're talking about both of them. You can't drop Joey Gallo. Jose Abreu is the question. And I'm trying – I mean, in a 10-teamer, he's droppable. It's, we yeah, can get oh, that away. Yeah, a shallow 12, like no CI spot. Even in OC, I'm thinking like NFC formats where it's it's borderline. Yep. And it's one of those things where I would try not to just because you know what he can be. Some of the things that like you mentioned, the fly ball rate, it, the fly ball rate's up, but it's also infield fly ball. So he's not exactly get he's getting under the ball more than he usually does. That's also up for Brayu. The soft contact is the highest of his career. The pull rates are not terribly different, but it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, let's, let's see if it's Babbitt induced. No, his Babbitt is 304. That's actually not a terrible Babbitt for him. Granted, Abreu has better Babbitts. He's a career 327 Babbitt guy. It's still not enough of a difference there. 
this carry has spiked, but to a point to where it was in line with 2021 and and before that. So last year's carry rate in 2022 for Brady was kind of, you know, the low point. I'm just, I feel like there's a fixable thing here. There's not like a, oh my God, red flag. It's just a bunch of like little things. And he's a seasoned veteran, first first year in New Park, things that are different. Like he's still making the same amount of zone contact, 88.8%. It's actually better than last year. He's still making overall a 77.5% contact rate. Which again, considering his struggles, you would think it'd be worse. It's still better than league average. League average being seventy six point two percent swing strike rate is up a little bit, but it's still more in line with twenty twenty one. So it's not like like last year was like kind of like he kind of gave up that power for more contact type of deal, and we're still seeing those contact gains sustain while there's a little more swing and miss. But the swing and miss is still like in line with previous years. The big change is that he's chasing more. So I think he's just having maybe he's I feel again it goes back to I think he's pressing. pressing. Because Abreu, his, his chase rate is 41.2%. Last time it was even close to that was 37% in 2018 and, tw- and 39% in 2016. I don't think he suddenly doesn't have a, a recognition of the zone. I, I think Abreu's just pressing a little bit. Now, will he be what we hoped he'd be in terms of that power gain that we thought we, we could get considering the underlying numbers leading into this year? Probably not at this point. It'd be hard, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that Abreu's going to take that step forward we expected there. However, when there's one... Where there's one glaring issue here, considering the the chase rate here with Abreu, and he's making just as much uh, contact outside the zone for the most part as last year. That's where the soft contact is coming from. So at least you're finding a reason for that soft contact. The issue is, is what's your level of belief in him and him correcting it? And right now, I still want to give him that benefit of the doubt of him correcting it. But still, the problem is, is Abreu go say the rest of the way starting mid May gets gets it together mid May. We're talking three and a half months of 280 but like with that back tap middling power he's still useful but we were drafted everybody was drafting including us we were i think i know i was pretty high on him i was i was expecting that power to take a step forward and i don't know if we get that so although i do think he's definitely not as bad as he's been jose Abreu, that is i do think that we should temper expectations at the very least moving forward and i would like i said at the end of the day i'm trying to hold on to him where i have him unless it's a unless it's a 12 teamer with no ci or a 10 teamer, I'm I'm okay cutting them there. That's about it, though. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, he gets a couple more weeks on the bench, and if it doesn't change, then it's going to be real chopping block season, where it gets interesting. Yeah. And um, because one yeah, of the I, things that I that get stood it out, now, like well, if, one one thing I stood out a ton that you said over and over when you like said certain stats, you said league average, league average, league average. So what are we doing with Jose Abreu if he's league average? That's the conundrum. That's yeah. the thing. It's like because there's going like, to be a dude like you know who else is like kind of league average, probably a little below, but might have a better power ceiling. Ryan Noda, for instance, and I'm not saying do this, but I'm just saying like if we want to like start taking chances, like that's why I think the Joey Gallo one is actually a pretty fair one. It's like yeah, you're sacrificing that's... average, but the power shift is dramatic, and that that's an interesting one to look at. So uh, another name, it's like, I, I don't, I, I don't buy, I know we're probably gonna talk about Brent Rooker, but it's like Rooker yeah, would be, a, it's him. another guy that you could sell high. Would you sell high on Brent Rooker for Abreu? Probably not because, not because no. you, I, I actually, I, it's funny because I wouldn't do that even though I value Abreu more rest of the season. I really do. It's just one of those things where Rooker's being a difference maker right now. Bingo. And I don't want, I don't want to risk difference making ability right now for a guy that i do think is going to be again lackluster in, in comparison to what we expected that's what it comes down to is that well, i think the, he's going to disappoint so it's the right yeah it's the right now that you mentioned that's something that i've started to, to kind of like, why this is the first like we'll talk about it in the fab like i wouldn't i didn't go didn't think i went crazy but i got tanner Bybee everywhere but i used to not bid that kind of money 
but I'm in the I want stats now because if you sit there and I'm gonna wait for someone, and then you have that window of nothing. You know how it goes. If you're trying to win a league, especially a competitive league, that like two weeks of nothing could be the difference in the scenario. Now you could fill it in with a Louis Varland or something like we'll talk about. There's ways to do it, but um, like waiting for a Brady to come around instead of pouncing on Rooker, that's like the perfect example. Like, hey, take maybe two more weeks of Rooker instead of waiting two weeks for a Brady to figure it out because he might not. And that's where it gets yeah. gets tricky for sure. Another first base option is the number two guy on this uh, leaderboard here on the hard hit leaderboard change. And that's Connor Joe up to 50, almost 51% in 2023 compared to 33% in uh, 2022. And we know Connor Joe had that big start to the year in Colorado. It kind of dwindled down a bit, especially when he went to, to uh, the Pittsburgh now, but he's come out guns blazing four home runs, uh, only 11 RBIs with 18 runs scored. Even has a couple stolen bases hitting nearly 300 on the season, walking um, over 11%, which is pretty darn nice too. But we mentioned that hard hit rate up up to uh, 53%. The barrel rate's at 14%. He's been very, very effective. Now, is this sustainable? We thought probably no because he couldn't even do it last year in Colorado. But could he still be a very, very good player? I think so. You look at the rest of the season projections, and I think they're underachieving him because, like, you know, you look at the bad X, they have him hitting four, eight home runs, three, uh, three stolen bases, and 81 games the rest of the way. I would be willing to say more than eight home runs for Connor Joe. But uh, what's your thoughts on this Connor Joe breakout? Because the Pirates as a whole have just changed the entire philosophy of an offense, it looks like. And it's just been like, um, uh, I don't, I can't think of the word. It's been, everyone's catching it. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. Definitely eye-catching, I guess, would be a good way of putting it, too. It's just one of those things where Connor Joe, he's crushing lefties like he always has. And that's kind of what happened last year. Is where after the slow start, they kind of platooned him the rest of the way. He's hitting 360 against him already this year, like small sample, of course, against lefties, but 1,300 OPS. However, against righties, he's he's definitely having a more serviceable product, a level of production at the moment. 801 OPS. I mean, that's really solid. But the thing is, against righties at first compared to lefties, you're seeing Joe with a 15.6% strikeout rate against lefties and, and almost 30%, 29.5% strikeout rate against righties. So some of that production is probably likely to come down against right-handed pitching. And obviously you're expecting regression here, but it's one of those things where Joe, if you mentioned with him, like the barrel rate and stuff like that, even if that barrel rate regresses closer to what we saw, what in 20, what was it? 2021 when we saw Joe kind of break out out of nowhere, I think that's fair. That's fair to even expect. So if it goes from 14% back closer to the, it was 9.9% in 2021, the hard hit rate was about 10 points lower. So even if he regresses to that level, we saw what Joe could do with that type of production anyway. So I think all things considered Connor Joe might, be somewhere in between the two extremes in terms of last year and the year before right now he's running hot so, along with most of the pirates team yep. but 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 obviously what he's doing he's done before so it's not out of it's not out of it's not something that he can't sustain it's just one of those things i'm not willing to bet against i'm not willing to bet on because it was a small sample that we saw him do it in prior to you know the prior to failing the next season so it's like oh i mean and again you go you look under the hood a little bit and making great contact not a lot of swing and miss never was one to chase still not chasing a lot so he's picking his spots he's making pitchers pay connor joe's running hot and i think again i think there's a happy medium here i don't think he was i don't think joe was as bad as last year i just he's just not this good so all things considered I do think he's a serviceable fifth outfielder rest of the season for uh, 15 teamers and borderline for 12s with five outfielders. Yeah. And even I, I'd even be willing to say he's a corner infield option. He's first place outfield eligible. I'll, I'll oh, even go. First base? Then, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, first I, think, I think there's a lot to like potentially when it comes to Connor Job. And the thing is, with a lot of these guys, the hot starts, 
the the fun part is trying to decide like okay we're all expecting regression we're not crazy like the monster is going to come get him on Kerwin's feet at some point in time <laughs> but it's like does do they regress just enough where they're still going to be serviceable the whole rest of the season that's the the uh conundrum and like you could see connor joe still like hitting like you said like 260 and maybe hitting 10 more home runs this year or something that's that's doable and he can and he'll still bags which is nice as well. Like that's where it's like, would you rather have Connor Joe at first base or Jose Abreu the rest of the way? It's crazy. That's a dilemma. It's crazy. That's a dilemma. Yeah, it shouldn't be, but it is. You're right. It's because, and because Joe also offers speed, which Abreu will not offer at all. True. So that that's where we're at with Jose Abreu. It's depressing to have these conversations right now. It really is. Um, I just, I just can't believe that Abreu is this bad. It's just, I, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to fold him. you know? And maybe yeah. that's where, like, I wish I, this is where I wish I had that robot mentality that, like, a Phil has. When Phil cut, he cut McCarthy before McCarthy was sent down. It happened to be, like, a day or two. But yeah. that's the type of draft, that's the type of player that Phil is. And that's what makes him so great when he does stuff like that. And it, and it pays off. And it pays off more often than it doesn't for him. Yeah. Stuff like that, I want to be able to get to. But I feel like I still have that too much. I have too much of a human factor there. Too much that's of a little good. bit. And that's yeah. where it's like, I, I think I've gotten better. I think I think we all have in terms of, like, just seeing how these good players play. And you realize Evaluate, that. Evaluating talent. Like, uh, utilizing the tools to evaluate talent. And you can get all that game of the edge fantasy. Just throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah, just throw it out there, right? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I feel like we've gotten better, but still, I w- I'm not at that level where I'm as cutthroat as some of those hardcore guys. And those guys, you know, they they miss sometimes. They get it right more often than they don't, but they miss too. And you, I think that's the difference between them and the average players that they're not afraid to miss. They 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 can yeah, make up. Afraid. They can make up for those misses more better than the average player. So that's where that's where it comes in handy being such a good player. So the goal is to get there. And um, I'm gonna get there, Joe. Or, and that—that's why Joe, I, I, I meant Bubba called uh, you Joe. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> and that's where I'm kind of—that's where I'm trying to get. It. Like when we talk about our fab drops and all this, and like especially even in chat when guys ask questions, they're like, "Would you drop Jake Fraley?" Well, yeah, I dropped him two weeks ago. I'm like, I love Jake Fraley. I'm a big Jake Fraley fan, and he's probably gonna come back at some point. And I want to pick him up. I'm not foolish, but like I'm willing to drop him and, and get the like the Connor Joe right now and roll with that or go get Jackson Winsky and see what happens. Like, and I play 12s. Like, yeah, it's a big difference. You can make that yeah. kind of, I just, I'm trying to like say, screw it. I take chances, make a few mistakes, but maybe it'll work out more often than not. Where like 15s, you can't be as crazy. I get it. But like the fun discussion we had, even in the chat was like Reed Detmers. What do you do with Reed Detmers? And I think in a 10 team league, he's streamable. He doesn't have to be a starter with you. I, for me, I said in the 12, he's a streamable pitcher to me. Cause like, I'm, I'm I'm back to before he went back and fixed his quote unquote slider. He's back to that picture right now. And he might come back to reality. Like Simeon was said, you hold him, figure out and he knows pitching way better than I do. But like that's just me. Like I'm not gonna sit there and wait and have guys blow me up anymore. Or I'd rather go take chances elsewhere. <laughs> Sadly, a 4.85 ERA that he has, and peripherals are all like mid mid fours. By the way, yeah. that's that's actually not bad right now. Not <laughs> like, necessarily. So, no, no. <laughs> there's people that'll take it. It's just wild because the strikeouts are here right now. You know, the highest strikeout rate of his well, of like of a meaningful sample, I should say, of his career. And then the KMS walk rates up over four percent from last year. Detmers, I'm talking about. So it's one of those things where a 3.28 BABIP, a less than desirable strand rate. A home run to fly ball that's not out of the question considering how the ball is flying right now, but higher than you than last year. Uh, I do think better days are ahead for Detmers just because I know we off, we're off on a tangent, but uh, well, they probably he, will be. it's just one of those things where it's like at least I could see re- I can see upside and I can see reasons for struggle that all should that all could and should correct the, the troubling you know the fact that only thirty two percent ground ball rate well thirty three percent 
it's one of those things where it's like uh, so many fly balls that the ball really is flying a little more than average this year. You don't want that many, you don't want, especially when warm weather's not even here. That's where it yep. becomes an issue. Like That's if he's giving up, gets... if, if, if we're talking two thirds of his balls are in the air, for Detmers, like that's one of those things where it's like, oh, do I really want to bet on a comeback? We're about to get into the warm season, yep. so yeah. But I get it right now. I, I would try to hold in obviously 15s and even in 12s, maybe just because it depends on what's there. Like right now, well, 15s for sure. I was not condoning the 15. No, 12s, but we're talking about we're talking about OCs. Like, yeah, I'm thinking 12s OCs are, 12, there's the discussion. 12, see, well, this I thing, I don't play 12s. Discussion. This is where I need you. Like, this is where we balance each other. I'm like, I don't like, really like, <laughs> like for instance, I know we'll talk about these names later on, but just for fun. And just a yes or no, Tanner Bybee or Reed Demers? Bybee. That's my point. So, like, if you're the, sitting there, the big, hard one is Varland. I, I, yeah, I'm, but I'm and super we'll get biased to him right later now. because there's some fun <laughs> yeah. discourse on Twitter about that whole situation. I think there's a lot of validity and a lot of like, well, you're trying to boost your pick type situation. Oh, I'm, I'm doing both. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm letting I'm, you know because we I'm, talked about it before the Molly news when he would have got him for like five bucks, probably. Um, yeah, I'm so annoyed. I'm that so changed upset. everything. I'm like, like how often do we sit there and like kind of like okay is a guy hurt and then like fab runs and they drop it like at 10 o'clock monday morning when it's like you knew this information probably at 10 o'clock on sunday you could have dropped it then mm-hmm. but they actually did it with molly instead of waiting we're, we're like ahead of the curve and they did it to us so it put us and, and there was a lot of sharp players in deeper formats oh, they would have been on them for too. Sure. yeah yeah it's one of those things where the sharp players were on them but like i was i think i was talking with um i was talking with jake hollisker i hate pronouncing his last name because i know i screwed up but i was texting we were dming a little bit and we were just going back and forth because we were in on barland you know after the first start we, we talked about stashing them and then we we're both like and you know even even with us even our little group chat we we're just talking about barland and i know we're getting ahead of ourselves because we'll talk about more later but it's one of those things where it's like Okay, cool. We have our eye on him. Oh, cool. Ober got his spot. Oh, Molly's hurt. So we we knew it was like Barlin lined up with Molly, and we knew that Barlin should be the next man up. So we were already kind of all right, our bids are going to be in the twenties and the thirties. Like we're going to be a little aggressive here, probably overbid. But I was I saw someone on Twitter mention that their initial bids were like in the sixties and fifties or or seventies before the news. I was like, wow. So I feel like maybe I was even lower on the market than I realized, thinking I was ahead of the game or ahead of the market and maybe i was the general market but obviously there's some really sharp guys that were like oh no i was already putting up like there because you, you'll see barley went for a couple of like triple digit bids in 15s and that's because guys were already that much higher on them than i than i expected i needed to be but well, well again um we're getting ahead of ourselves i'm just it's exciting it's exciting because you think yep. you learn you think you're learning stuff you think you're you know you think you're doing well you think and you're, then you realize, and you're not special is the wrong <laughs> special is the wrong word bubba you think you think you're ahead of you think you're ahead of the curve when really oh, yeah, you're I kind of you. on the thing is those it's nice to be that on par because i guarantee you even even a year ago i wouldn't have been oh, yeah. i wouldn't have been on varland the way i was nope, this year not a chance so, so i'm taking i'm taking pride in that level of prep this year compared to last where i'm keeping up with like you go read vlad's article over mm-hmm. at ftm which is one of obviously one of the, if not the best fab article sorry but i know yours is good too don't get me wrong but no it's, it's what vlad is I, right? I understand i look at vlad's after i write mine yeah. so yes no well, i make a point to tell people that because people think you don't want to steal stuff from people you don't want to copy it word for word and like use the same bid ranges and everything oh because it helps me learn on like the way you're yeah. learning on varlin it helps me learn on like guys i need to be targeting like why do i need to target them so well, I and that, that, then I check things out. I, I make it. Oh, I lost my camera. I don't know what happened there. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, so sorry about that. Anyway, so I'll see what happened. I think, oh, I think it died. Anyway, no at the end of the day, I could talk. I'm a yes, talking, I'll be, I'll just be a little talking voice thing. But uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I was surprised because I was looking at the um, I was looking at his list, and this is the first year where I'm like, oh, I, I actually have all these guys on my own watch list. Where so far, I and that's a great way to kind of that's another great thing. If you are on top of your game, 
if nothing else, Vlad's article will give you a checklist to make sure you don't miss somebody. And that was kind of a big deal. Like, okay. Or you can look at it like, okay, so this is what he's saying. This might be the general, like, okay, here's a starting point. I'm going to go ahead and try to improve from here. I'm going to try to be like, all right, if I think this is what his bid range is, maybe I th- I know my league's a little more aggressive. I'm going to jump this bid range by like 30 or 40 bucks or something like that, which yeah. actually worked in one of my leagues because uh, he put a bid range on Garrett Cooper, I think it was. And I was like, crap. And I was in the same exact bid range. I was like, well, I really wanted them. This was a week two. So I upped my bid 10 bucks and I think I still would have got them regardless, but I was, I barely, I only overbid by like 10 bucks. So it worked out. I think it would have been one of those where I was tied with the guy and probably would have lost the tiebreaker. Which would have sucked, but anyway, well, not really. Cooper sucks. Like after a couple of weeks of hot runs, Cooper he's, he's already getting he's already getting hurt. So it's fine. yeah, no, yeah, no. He's he's being Garrett Cooper, and I love Coop too. Um, let's talk about. Well, we're getting through this. The third one on the list here. Um, I don't mind. <laughs> Listen, it. I enjoy the discourse of talking strategy. Everyone talks that's, players. No, I'm let's with you. Strategy. That's why I don't. That's why I don't mind this at all. I think people will learn a lot more by doing these exercises than just going down a list of players. But the players will lead us to these discussions. That takes us to Jonathan India, a guy that a lot of people I know our group, and I'm, we're not the only ones that were like, okay, he's a value. He was hurt last year. Take the value. He's going to bounce back. He's a rookie of the year two years ago. Um, you know, he's and he's up sixteen point seven percent of his hard hit rate, forty five point five percent right now, compared to like twenty nine percent last season. I will say this much: it started off slow for India, very slow. He's up to two seventy one now, which is great to see. Um, with 22 runs scored, he only has one homer, but five stolen bases. So he's doing what a leadoff guy should be doing at Great American Small Park. He's scoring a ton of runs. He's stealing bags. He'd hope for more homers. I think those days are ahead. I'm not like thinking that's crazy to think about, but he's really gotten it going. I'd say over the last week or so, like since um, let me click this button, April 20th, he's hitting oh, only 256, so not as great as I thought. But he's got a couple stolen bases on that stretch. Moral of the story is. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and I think he's just getting healthier. I think uh, 270, 280 is reliable. The question I have for you, though, that's a bit concerning to me, is are we in on this? Because the hard hit rate's up, but the barrel rate's still 3.5%, which is not what we're looking for in this scenario. You know, Hitting a ton of balls on the ground still, a bunch of infield flies, which is pretty not great. But uh, how are you uh, looking at Jonathan India? So entering tonight, I, you're, you mentioned it. he kind of slowed down. He started off way hotter. He was hitting over 300 for the first few weeks of the season, and India's kind of slowed down. But we, we're seeing a bounce back in the plate discipline. He's walking, double-digit walk rate. The strikeout rate is like sub – it was like 15.1% entering tonight. You mentioned just the one home run, but the five of six on the base pass, a 92.8% Z contact, which pretty much anything over 90% is – I would consider that basically elite contact rates in the zone. And the fact that India's doing this while lacking – like bad plate discipline his chase rate was about 23 percent which again league average being like 32 percent with a swinging strike rate around six percent considering again league average being almost twice that so you're seeing above average way above average like decision making while making contact in the zone and you're talking about how hard he's hitting the ball compared to last year india is doing the right things i do think that once the weather warms up especially in that ballpark it's known to be cores 2.0 basically these days I think India is going to still get closer to that 20 home run mark. That, and that's the thing. That's kind of what he was projected for anyway. But he's running more than we probably anticipated. I think most people probably pegged him for 10 to 12, you know, some bases, maybe 15. The fact that he's already halfway there, I think we get closer to 15. On, and that's probably closer to the low end than the high end at this point. 
the way he's running. So Indy is a guy that I really like what I'm seeing. And I definitely, I was in on him late in draft season. And that's why I made sure I get him on my main, get him in my final DC I did and all that good stuff. So all things considered, I like what we're seeing, but um, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately it's a little slow go, but you mentioned it leading off that ballpark. Nothing but good is going to come from that, especially with everything else looking good under, under the hood. Not too worried right now with the slow, slow stretch we're seeing. Yep, 100% on board with you on that one. Uh, we're not going to talk about every player, so I'm going to skip over DJ the Mayhew, who's next. He is who he is to me. Like, this is great. He looks healthy, so let's see how it goes for now. I want to talk about your guy from last year that's continuing to produce this year in Jorge Mateo. His hard hit rate is up to almost 47% from 33% last year, which is really impressive. The part I'm mad about is all through spring training, it didn't look like he had a job, like a consistent job. Uh, and then he just, unless I totally missed something, I, I, I thought we even talked about it and it was like a questionable situation. Like they loved his defense, worried about the production at the play valid. But, um, right now he's hitting 347 with six home runs already. His career high is 13, uh, 10 stolen bases. He's running wild. Biggest thing to me, he's walking more and he's striking out almost half of what he struck out. He's striking out 14.5% of the time. So as much as we don't think 347 is sustainable, the uh, strikeout rate, the plate discipline is great, which has led to a much improved barrel and hard hit rate, as you mentioned. There's just a lot that I like that I'm seeing with this profile because it's crazy. His power is up and his ground ball rate's up 8%. Like he's hitting more balls on the ground and fewer in the air and he's still hitting more home runs. So we obviously expect regression, Curlin, and this was one of your guys two years ago. Uh, I know you talked about him uh, so far this year too. So what are you doing with him? Are we selling high on Mateo? Or we keep because I still think there's not like 30 bags in this guy's legs if he stays healthy, some power. But like, what are we hoping for here? I am just rolling with it, just like I did last year. Uh, Mateo's a guy that you can sell high on by all means if you if you don't need speed. That's but there's a it's it's one of those things where everyone thought they didn't they didn't need speed, but like guys like Tovar. I actually tweeted right before the show, I tweeted how Tovar is he hasn't stolen a base in his major league career yet. And we all drafted and people were drafting him for speed for as a speed first player with cores. You have guys, you have the twins players like Buxton not running, and they're that's by design to keep them healthy. You have guys that are just underperforming by by the, you know that their sta- that, that standard in terms of not running. Mateo might become a guy that you just need because you need to keep pace with stolen bases. And that strength can easily go away when you give away a guy that probably has a third of your stolen bases right now in terms of team total. So Mateo's a guy I'm probably riding out. You know there's going to be ups and downs. He's not this good. I, I don't believe it. But it's one of those things where it's encouraging because 13 home runs last year and 533 play appearances. Entering tonight, Mateo had six and just 83 play appearances. So there's something there. I mean, you mentioned there's more fly, there's more fly uh, ground balls, but obviously the hard hits are obviously translating to the fly balls as well. The barrel rate is slightly up for Mateo. The plate discipline is amazing. The fact that he's dropped 13 points on his K rate, um, not chasing as much, not swinging, there's not as much swing and miss, which is leading more, obviously more contact. It's all it's just one of those things that it's hard to say if it's more than a hot run because we saw Mateo do this for what like a six week run last year too, randomly in the middle when everyone was starting to drop him. Like after people dropped him, he went off like this. And that's why I'm thinking like Mateo, I don't think he's I think part of what we're seeing might be true, but I don't, I'm not buying into this level. But at the end of the day, there's a guy that's running like this. If it's it's really team specific. I just have a hard time believing that you can give up a guy who's likely gonna be a third of your stolen bases for most of this year and still be okay in stolen bases unless you have him and Acuna 
And even then, look what happened to Acuna. Freak injury that luckily it was nothing. Ended up being like a really bad stinger yesterday. But if you saw the video, he was on the ground for like two or three minutes, legitimately like in so much pain he wouldn't get up. And then when he walked off, he wasn't moving that affected arm. Tonight he stole base and hit a double, so I'm, I, I'm not worried. But Acuna, like, so if you lose Acuna and you traded Mateo, now you're done. You know what I mean? Like your stolen bases yeah. suddenly, oh, now you're searching for him. And, and it's one of those things where this year more than ever with just so many unknowns with the ball right now and the climate and the way pitching is and – I'm kind of just Elf. riding out. I, I, and also maybe a lot of there, there is, there is some bias here. I think it's cause I don't play in trade leagues anymore. So I don't like trading. Cause I feel like your process led you to these players for a reason. Why not ride it out? Unless you have a true big need somewhere else where, and you don't have a need for what they're providing, then I get it. But I don't know. I'm big on, there's a reason why you draft these players. And Mateo wasn't free this year. Mateo yeah, cost and coming into the year, it looked like I thought he would have a short leash. I he looked like he was the starting shortstop. That wasn't really a question. So for me, especially once they sent down all their young guys, that was the big yeah, thing. Towards the end when they sent him down, it made a difference. Like early draft season, it wasn't locked in. Comfortable. Yeah, because they had they had uh, Joey Ortiz, they had um two other guys. I can't think of, yeah, but both it was both crowded. Were, it was very crowded. both of them were middle infielders, and I thought, and we all thought that the thing was about Mateo was that the glove was great last year. We needed to see the glove come back around and be great again this year which I haven't checked to see if that's the case, but his bat's been great, which nobody was expecting the bat to be what kept him up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all things considered, though, at the end of the day, I'm going to I'm gonna ride it out, but I, I'm again, it goes back to my process. If I, if I have him, my process led me to him, and you're getting what you drafted him for, and then some. Why not keep him while, even again, even if it falls off a cliff, who cares? He's already pretty much a positive ROI at this point. <laughs> like it's pretty close. You know what I mean? Like you weren't expecting six home runs by the end of May, let alone by the beginning of May. Yep. hundred percent with you on that one. So yeah, I'm on board. I think it's awesome. If you were able to get him, it's been great. I play him in DFS almost every day <laughs> just because he's just awesome. So uh, yeah, he's a fun one. Uh, the next few guys we'll skip over here because I wanted to talk about a lot of fab actually. So um, yeah, exactly. Matt Chapman, sixth, Randy Rosarena, seventh, my boy, uh, Patrick Wisdom. I want to talk to you about Alec Thomas. We kind of hinted at him before the show. I've mentioned it on a, a couple shows. Like the underlying metrics for him keep me enticed. Um, his his hard hit rate's up 13% from last year. It's about 47.6 compared to 34.6 last year. When you look at Alec Thomas, like A, they sent Jake McCarthy down. That should tell you something. Just a starter. He, but he's only hitting 186, two homers, four doubles, a triple, two stolen bases. Uh, 22% K rate, 8% walk rate. But like I said, the hard hit rate's up in a nice, nice way. The barrel rate's up to 9.5% compared to 3.8 last year. If you believe in X stats, there's a massive gap. Like I know that, that they're not the end all be all, but when I see massive gaps, that tells me there's something like meet in the middle and we're still happy, like type situation. Um, what do you see when you look at Alec Thomas? Because there's a lot, I think, to like here. Fly ball rates up, ground ball rates down. Um I think there's some potential improvements coming here. Maybe he's unlucky. This could be a guy that I think maybe buy low, but maybe I'm just being too optimistic here. What do you see with Alec Thomas? So one of the things, the reason why the power might not be playing up here for Thomas is that he has a pulled ground ball rate of 63.3%. And that's, you know, obviously pulling the ball more is great, but when you're pulling it more and it's mostly on the ground, two-thirds of the time you're pulling the ball on the ground, that's not ideal. So the hard hits probably going right into the ground, even with, you know, he's barreling him. He's not getting, he's not elevating the ball as much to the pull side as you need. And you mentioned it in field fly ball, right? I believe you mentioned that part. That's also up. So it's, he's not, he's, he's purposely elevating. That's fine, but it's not turning into the power that we need in the, and all that, which is uh, frustrating, but I think it's going to, I think he can come around. 
All things considered, the playing time is there. The play discipline is solid, and he makes a good amount of contact. I, I think he's a solid player, probably a buy low. I would give him the buy low tag. I mean, the home run for the fly ball rate is down while he's elevating the ball more and hitting the ball harder. I doubt that's going to sustain, you know what I mean, especially as the weather warms. I, I think Og Thomas is a solid foundation, like a, a solid foundation there. 230 BABIP is also set to increase. There's no, he's a 258 career guy. And even then, last year was a 263. Even if he gets up to that last year level, you're still talking about 33 points of BABIP that we could see improve. I, I think there's better days ahead. I'm just, I'm surprised that it's not, he's not performing better. But I think the only thing, I, like I said, the only red flag here for Alec Thomas was the fact that he's pulling the ball on the ground a ton. And that's probably causing some of the BABIP issues and some of the uh, batting average issues and why the power is not playing up to where it should. But otherwise, I think that's something that if he's, if this is a new approach, he might just need time to get it going. Not everyone could be Jaron Duran, come up with a new approach and just start hitting from day one. I wish we could because that's been pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And then I love how the, the Red Sox, uh, Tanner Bybee pitching against them, they let Duran have the day off. You know, just like don't look foolish against the young kid. We'll, we'll be good. Enjoy yourself, kid. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how this goes for Alec Thomas. Uh, they did call up. Um, I saw him in the lineup today. I'm pulling up their game feed. Uh, Fletcher, or you're right here. Come on, Dominic Fletcher. He got called up and he's hitting ninth, so it's nothing crazy. But he's already got like three hits and five at bats so far this year. Um, just another outfielder because like they didn't have enough apparently. <laughs> Something to keep in mind. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's Alec Thomas's world for a little while, to say the least. Uh, to round out your top 10, you have Patrick Wisdom is ninth and Paul Goldschmidt is 10th. Those all make sense. We're not going to go through the bottom half, but I just want to read you off some names. For the negative, the opposite from going from good to bad in 2023, Glaber Torres leads the way. I think a lot of that's been since the injury. Jose Abreu is number two. Family's curious. Uh, Benintendi three, Colton Wong four, Andres Jimenez is five, Isak Paredes is six. Kind of standing out there, George Springer, Austin Nola, Jordan Alvarez. I guess when you already hit it like 60% hard hit, 50% is not good enough. And then you have Monty <laughs> Grandal. So there's some interesting names there. Maybe that's a conversation for another day, but uh, definitely some standout ones there. All right, Curlin, let's talk some uh, let's talk some player movement. Let's talk some fab for the week. Talking some NFBC OC, most added players, discussion points, all the fun stuff. It was a big week in the prospect world and the pitching world in general. Tanner Bybee led the way, picked up in all 205 leagues, as high as 380, as low as 77. I love seeing as low as 77 because we joke about that. He was at least bidded on in every league, like at least legitly, I think. Um, what are your thoughts here? I think we're all pretty much on the same page on this kid, but I got a lot of shares of him. I didn't go after him, not because I wasn't interested. Oh, he wasn't even available in my main. Somebody actually drafted him and stashed him. Yeah, that's the whole time. You said that. So when that, that happened, all the other pitchers he drafted and stashed too. Well, Stone. Uh, <laughs> there was he another prospect. Yeah, well, which uh, I think he had fat. I think he has fought too. So that's he like started he, on Wednesday. Yeah, but the, it came at a price. He has the Grom as well, but uh, it came at a price in terms of I think he had twenty points in pitching standings. Start. I'd say so. Well, he didn't have anybody on the bench to plug in, and yeah, it was one of those like I don't know. I was I was interested in the fact that like three of the top ads he already had. That's great. You beat the waiver wire, but what at what cost is what I'm thinking. You know, because yeah. I mean, and on top of that, the Fab, but he that, that player's been using Fab, and I'm not. I don't want to act like. Listen, you do you. If if it works for you, that's great. Maybe it didn't this time. Maybe it still will because now he has. You know, if in theory he could have four months, four and a half months of a. Uh, 
all those guys and if they're all as good as we're hoping he'll catch up in the standings eventually yep but yeah it was one of those things where i noticed that i was like huh and i honestly wish i noticed that. i got lucky in my i would have been a little more aggressive had i noticed that this guy had three of the bigger name prospects coming up for pitching because you know like for instance taj i probably would have been more aggressive on taj my camera died again i would have been more aggressive on taj had i uh had i realized that he this guy had all these prospects on his bench already you know what i mean yep. so tanner bybee thoughts good great player um yeah. good, again. <laughs> like, good again on tuesday look yeah i think uh, uh he stayed in you know he got that final inning gave in gave up that home run and that was yeah. kind of the end of it for him but um all things to say still look good still got the swings and misses still striking out players and there's a reason why he was a top prospect in their in their organization i think bybee's a solid player it's just a matter of are the guardians gonna do what the rays did and start manipulating these young guys i don't think they will but we'll see <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they will. Early reports sound like these boys are here to stay for a bit. Uh, like, we all joke about it, and they still might not do it, but Quantrill, Plesak, they both have options. You can put Savali in the bullpen. There's ways to make this work to keep these boys around, so I'm hoping so. I went, uh, for my standards, big, and then, like, low twos. We'll talk about my bidding later on when we recap our, our picks pickups for the week. But uh, I was a big guy, a big fan of him, and then Logan Allen will talk about as well, because for me – these guys are stretched out. They both threw about 130 innings. So I'm willing to put some serious money down on guys that are going to throw me 160-ish innings, give or take. That gets me excited. That's Those are guys I want to take chances on. We're like Mason Miller, we talked about, there's a lot of concerns on innings, d- d- duration of a game, so on and so forth, where Bybee and Logan Allen are, are pretty much good to go. So I'm a fan of both of them. Uh, Logan Allen was the second most added player, a.k.a. the same, 205, just a lower bid amount. Uh, 249 max, six men. Someone going for six freaking dollars, which is insane. I know you were uh, you were in on Logan Allen, I believe. What are your thoughts on him? Now, Logan Allen didn't have the same electric stuff that a Bybee had. You know, like he didn't have that velocity. He was kind of a more of a soft tossing, softer tossing pitcher. And I'm like, I don't usually like bidding on those types of guys. But then, you know, the stuff plus numbers were there. And I figured he probably has a similar leash as Bybee. I don't think the ceiling's there, but I kind of saw him as a decent floor play. And right now, give me a pitcher with floor all day in this in this in this climate. So that was what it was. It was one of those like I thought he'd be good enough to be close to the conversation where Bybee and those guys are going to end up, and amongst other players, you know, like uh, what's his face tonight pitching tonight with Bryce Miller, I think Bryce Miller, he's, Bryce Miller for Seattle, yeah. He's pitching tonight, so he's going to be a guy that probably goes for closer to Bybee bids, if not more, and he's stuff like that. right now. Yes. The weather's also – it's like it was pouring rain last I yeah. saw in that game too. Yeah, it's scattered showers. It's clear now. Scattered, yeah. yeah. If you want to call the it battle, The battle of the Millers is going as expected. It's a strikeout of thumb. Which – and, you know, considering the offenses they're facing, I'm not surprised. But at the end of the day, though, what I'm getting at is that these guys are all going to cost a ton. You're going to have, yep. especially Miller, going to be another $300 bid guy type guy, mid two, high three, or mid threes, whatever, in between there. And I didn't want to get to that point. Not only am I trying to save my fab for other things, I thought that, you know, I tacked it with depth. Like, this was my biggest bid on a pitcher all year, and I got him two in my league. We'll talk about the specifics. It was actually really great. It worked out for me. But I viewed him – as a step down from these upper tier guys, but good enough to where he's not going to be taken out of my lineup or my rotation at all. If he's as good as I expect him to be, I think he's like a SP three type compared to like we're by being them could be better. I think Allen's peak is more of SP three type is the difference here. 
Yep, I, I'm with you there. I think the other guys have a little more. Uh, even though Allen's got the strikeouts too in his deal, but I just I have a hard yeah. time buying it with the velocity. That's all. I, I'm with you 100. percent And that was kind of why I was more aggressive on Bybee. That's why most people were more aggressive on Bybee, in, in this landscape of of what's going on in the pitching world. But I like Logan Allen. I tweeted it out just being sarcastic because I I got Allen and Bybee in Tout Wars, which I literally just put bids in hoping to get one. Didn't think I'd get either one. I got them both. So cool. Let's roll. I have Taj Bradley on that team too. So if he ever wants to come back, that'd be sweet. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's fun to see these guys come up and they're, like I said, both stretched out so we can see exactly where uh, where the, the dust settles when it's all said and done. The third most added pitcher was Bailey Ober. 159 leagues because he had at least been added a few other times already. As high as 217, as low as a dollar. Yes, someone got Bailey Ober for a dollar. Um, Bailey Ober's been really good this year. Really good to start out. He's made two starts, five and two thirds innings in both starts, one and run in both starts. He's got 10 total Ks. The you know, one five nine ERA, 5.34 X FIP. So maybe there's something there. We'll see. He is walking too many guys, an 11% walk rate in his small sample. Uh, you look at his minor league numbers, triple A over uh, four starts. Good strikeouts, still a little bit of a walk issue there as well. So what are we thinking with Bailey Ober? This is a guy that a lot of people wanted out of camp to be on the Twins. He went to the minor leagues. Injuries have taken place with Maeda and now Molly. So um, Ober looks like he's going to be here for a little bit, and people are aggressive on him. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. So Ober, maybe that's where I mixed because I was definitely wrong on Allen's strikeout upside, obviously. But anyway, I digress. I, I just want to correct myself there because I was like, yeah, he is getting the strikeouts and the velocity is a concern still. But anyway, I, 
back to Ober because that's what you asked me about. Not you know me. I, I like to linger. I'm like, oh wait, I miss I misspoke. Anyway, I don't want people to think. It doesn't matter what I think. Anyway, <laughs> well, it does I guess if you had me on the show. Uh, back to Ober though. Ober is what he is, man. I mean. <sighs> talk about low okay i think like when i think of ober i think of braxton garrett i think of uh what's his face from the braves that pitched tonight just the solid four elder. elder like i th- wouldn't that be a pro- appropriate like grouping over kind of good yeah, I mean, over might maybe maybe yeah. over above them but i feel like that's like that's the kind of level of expectations i have here with over being like you know just great control gets through solid ratios the strikeouts aren't really a strength and they never really have been sure he flashed him in the minors a couple times the last couple of years but that's never really been who he was at the major at the higher levels especially at the major leagues he's he's such just if you watch him pitch pinpoint accuracy the dude hits his spots uh, i do think he can be better at strikeouts i'm just surprised you know how can he be that big how can he, he's like six eight he's he's huge he's six nine 260 and he throws 91 92 <laughs> like how is that possible but at the end of the day i think Ober's just such a solid player i i obviously he flashed strikeouts in the minors but i just i've just never i've never he's just never been able to do it at the major league level so i think at the end of the day if he's closer to a k printing guy and a, just a solid contributor a settlement forget him type super useful i just think that Maybe I'm higher on Braxton Garrett and Bryce Elder than I should be, but I feel like all three of these guys are just going to be underappreciated in terms of the level of safety that they bring. And maybe oh, and Ober being the flashiest name of them all, maybe I'm thinking all should get that same level of credit, but Ober is just – I think that's just what – you know what you're getting. I think that's nice to have. You can write it in pen and yep. you can do that much anymore. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say to Ober's defense, because I agree with what you're saying. That's why I wasn't even really on him in draft season. But like, there were some very sharp people like, "We want Bailey Ober," and I'm like, "He's kind of just blah to me." Like, I always thought, like last year it was like Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober. And we've clearly seen Joe Ryan's take a step, like to be the dude in this scenario. Doesn't mean Bailey Ober can't. Obviously, I was just like. You, you said, look, like Bryce Elder and the other guys. It's making me feel a lot better for getting Bryce Elder for like 40 to 40, 50, 50 bucks last week um, when he was available in some OCs. Because with these numbers going on and Bryce threw decent on Tuesday, like he, well, he'll probably slide underneath the radar with the Wilsons and everyone, or the um, Millers and everybody else getting called up this week. But Elder, it's a great comp. There's a lot of similarity. Like they're good. They're going to have hiccups. They're just like, uh, it, they're not going to overwhelm, I guess. Every like they might have a good start once in a while. Elder has had some nice, nice, nice outings, but like I'm with you on that one. Is um, yeah, I liked over. I was never going to get him. Like I think I had like forty dollar bids out there for over, so that was not happening to say the least. Will Smith closer now. I we could probably suggest for the Texas Rangers. He's got saves in two of his last three outings. Uh, he went in 150 or no 123 leagues. As high as two twenty three, someone needed saves. As low as a dollar, um, he's been pretty good this year. Eleven Ks and nine innings. You know, one nine three ERA, four three nine xFIP. He's had closing experience in the past. He's got three saves, four holds on the season. I know myself and many others said, "Hey, Bruce Bochy is there. He loves him some Will Smith. He's going to be closing." The weird thing is, Leclerc's got decent ratios, but um, he's just not great. So I wasn't like all in on Will Smith, but I don't really – that knock on wood, thank God I don't need saves right now. What are your expectations for Will Smith? I think I think Will Smith is slightly overperforming in terms of the uh, strikeouts, just considering when you look at some of the underlying metrics for Smith, the swing strike rate being roughly league average and the chase rate being roughly league average, whereas compared to last year, 
they were actually higher last year with a lower strikeout rate. And that's why it was one of those things where it's like, okay, maybe the strikeouts don't stick, but you know, the velocity is up a little bit this year for Smith, a uh, veteran with experience. I think he's just kind of solid. Another solid, it's kind of, kind of like, he's like the belly over of closers. Like you should know what you're getting. And as long as he has a job and that's a good thing, that's especially right now where I'm, I would die for Will Smith on my teams. Cause I have clay Holmes who apparently isn't, gonna be good this year so it's like like who am i to judge you were all in oh i loved clay holmes i'm still crossing my fingers that it's like maybe there's a chance but (laughs) i'm starting to eat crow on that and thinking myself okay well michael king's already rostered in leagues to my league too so i'm like crap i gotta figure that one out on the fly so you're gonna see me a lot of uh i'm gonna be taking a lot of chances on random set of guys and bids a lot of two three dollar just like see what happens for the week. Okay, cool. He got a save and oh, he was on my bench and then he doesn't get saved for two more weeks type of things, you know, never feel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, back to Will Smith though. He's, I, I, that's the best way to put him. I really do view him as like the guy that if you took it, like one of those guys that he's going to give you probably more than you expect, probably ends up trading mid season. Don't know if he closes beyond that, but he's going to be, he's going to be good. He's going to be good enough to be a serviceable closer for fantasy purposes for at least, I'd say for at least half a season. Yeah, and that's why I was all about it. If he was on your your you know fab ability, free agents, yes, go for him. But I couldn't see the two hundred dollars. That's what I can just never wrap my head around is the, those kind of bids, to say the least. This one, it's kind of a sad but good. Like Jake Berger, even last year I wanted Jake Berger to play more. This year it's like sweet. I, I think I've written about three straight weeks in the fab articles at Gaining the Edge. First two weeks was like, hey. Setback from Mankata, he's a streamable option again this week because the way he's hitting. The recent setback from Mankata, he's got a, a a pinched nerve due to a disc movement in his back. That means he's out for a while. But like that ain't changing anytime soon. Probably surgery to make it an official change unless enough rest and relaxation takes place. But regardless, it's going to be a bit. So it's Jake Berger time. He got added in 111 leagues as high as 131, as low as a dollar. Um, on the season now, he's hitting 231. You don't expect a big average from Berger. Never been that kind of guy. But seven homers, 14 RBIs, a 30% K rate. kind of, you know, a little high, but kind of what you expect. But he's got the power, and that's what he's going to produce. He's got five doubles. He's got 12 extra base hits out of his 15 hits. That says a lot about what Jake Berger's doing at the dish. And, you know, a 26% barrel rate, 50% hard hit rate. He's crushing baseballs right now. I know you are – like the dude's got a 26% ground ball rate and an almost 55% fly ball rate. It is asinine what he's doing at the plate. Um, so what are you thinking about Berger? I think, you know, if you need a third baseman, if you need a corner infielder, I, I love the power appeal. In a world where, yes, it feels like we might have a bouncy ball for the ball, there is a lot of power at the same time. I know there's a lot of teams that are either getting guys injured or, or need power. Berger seems like a great fit to me. Just rub it in. Um, because I had Burger unopposed for $14 like two weeks ago. I, I streamed him, talked about how I liked him, and he got me a home run that week, but like didn't little else. I think two home runs, but like otherwise hitless. And then dropped him because Mikado was supposed to come back. Well, Mikado didn't come back because Mikado had a setback, and I thought Burger's run was about done. And now he went for like 80 bucks the next week in my league. So I didn't get him back, but. I will forever be grateful for our t- short time together, Burger. <laughs> However, yeah, that's kind of what he is. He's he's a poor man's Joey Gallo. I'm not sure. I mean, a little better batting average, but not but the, a little better batting average. So not quite Joey Gallo esque, but the power also a little. It's one of those things where it's a little more batting average, a little less power, but probably I don't know. I'd say the power upside is about the same in terms of 
if he plays enough. It's just we've never seen him put it. We've never seen Burger get the playing time. And if Makata is out a while, when Makata comes back, does Burger just take it? He's striking out almost 30% of the time. That's ty- that's the type of thing. It's like, oh, that's why it's like there's a lot of Gallo. He's very Galloian. Galloian sounds very. Uh... There you go. <laughs> Very uh, medieval times. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> That's where my head's at right now. But, yeah, it's one of those things where I just I, – I like burger in the right circumstance. You just have to make sure you work – you have to prep around him. Like, you know he's going to be a little bit of a drag for B, BA, but he's going to be a solid home run producer. Just just plan for that. Just plan for the ups and downs. There's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster effect here considering the strikeout issues and all that. Yep. I'm with you on that. But lots of power coming your way, folks. Uh, Drew Smiley was adding 108 leagues for 131. Great two-step this week. We'll pass over that one for now. I got to ask you about Vince Velasquez. He was added in 108 leagues, as high as 100 bucks, as low as a dollar. The dollar seems fair. Um, Vince Velasquez coming off six shutout, five Ks against Pittsburgh. His last two starts, Pittsburgh and Cincy, 13 shutout innings, 15 Ks. He's got five or more Ks in four straight starts. He's allowed zero earned runs in four, three of those four starts. They're all four quality starts. Um, I'm still like trying to find like everything I say sounds. Oh, this is great! This is great. 306 ERA, you know, 464 x tip. Okay, there's there's something we can like take advantage of. Like, dude, what is good? Like, he has an insane fly ball rate. He's only got a 30 percent ground ball rate, which makes you be like, okay, it's gonna get ugly eventually, right? It's got to 7.3 percent home run to fly balls is best since 2015. Like. What are we doing with Vince Velasquez? Because there's a point, Curly, and this is why it's like we talk about it. We can laugh and make all our jokes for the longest time. Eventually, it's like we got to put up or shut up. Like, is this like I know there's the gap, but remember Johnny Cueto last year? He made it work for a whole season, and it was bizarre as hell. They became a streamable option. Is Vinny Velasquez a dude? I think you mentioned it in the final sentence there. I think he's a streamable option. I think Velasquez is a guy that put him on your bench. Stream him based on matchups. He's not a must-start guy. He's not a guy that you're going out of your way to make sure he's in week in, week out. I do – there's some – obviously, you mentioned some encouraging things, but, like, obviously, due to regress in terms of, like, if you're giving up that many fly balls, again, goes back to weather warming up, you know some of those are going to clear the fence. I don't think I don't think you're going to give up a career high amount of fly balls and have a second-to-best, like, fly, home run to fly ball rate in your career all of a sudden. I just don't buy that. Uh the strikeouts are okay. They're almost one per inning. And right now they're, you know, let's say the underlying numbers suggest that's pretty sustainable, actually, as long as he sustains that. Velasquez also has a strand rate that's slightly above average at 80.5%, where average is usually closer to mid-70s. So if he gets a little less lucky there. But like I said, all things considered, what he's doing is kind of sustainable. I do expect the ERA to creep up closer to four, which, again, every indicator suggests high eight, high threes, mid-fours. So that shouldn't surprise anybody if it gets back to that, but all things considered everything we're seeing, there's a lot to like here in the profile or when I say like, I mean, tolerate <laughs> because again, it goes back to what pitching is right now, but yeah, yeah right now for it to blow up. Yeah. Right now you're, you're starting him where in a pinch and not to mention you might even be starting him just hoping that he keeps that lucky, you know, that 40 clover in his back pocket. You know what I mean? Because you need which you, you you can take whatever you can get right now. And sometimes just riding the hot hand is an approach you could take. But in, a, in the ideal world, if I have Velasquez, I'm picking my spots with him. I am I'm streaming him from my bench, though. I'm not drop unless it's a 10 team where you can drop him, pick him up, drop him, pick him up. Most leagues, 12, probably 12 and deeper. You want to have him on your bench as a streaming option from your bench versus the waiver wire. 
Yeah, I think it's a great cause. Not a drop rehab, drop rehab guy because he's more valuable than that. Just not valuable enough to start all the time. That's the uh, yeah. And there will be times you'll pick the wrong time to start him because even yeah. the worst team will blow him up because versus the A's or survive. something. Yeah, it'll happen. the A's will take him deep every <laughs> every. Here's another pitcher that gets a ton of hype around the uh, the, the Twitter sphere and in the industry, and I just can't wrap my head around it yet. And that's Tyler Wells, of the Baltimore Orioles. He's added in 105 leagues. He had a, a decent two-step this week. Started with Kansas City on Tuesday. 74 bucks max, $1 min. Against Kansas City on Tuesday, six innings, uh, three hits, all home runs, four earned runs, three walks. So one of the – like literally they, they maximize it. Only four Ks. That's always been my thing. Not a big strikeout guy to me, which is always a turnoff for what I like to do in these scenarios. Um, he's made five starts. He has a 3-3-4 ERA. Four six uh, x fit, but only twenty seven Ks and thirty five innings. Like, there's a lot of I'm just wondering what I'm trying to enjoy out of this, if that makes any sense. So, like a, a heavy fly ball rate, a fifty plus percent fly ball rate, the ball will still fly out by left handed hitters in Camden. What am I missing here with Tyler Wells? He doesn't strike dudes out. Lots of balls in play, but people love him. I think it was just the fact that to this point. You saw a lot of just safety, kind of like a guy that was producing and being very, very helpful with ratio control. And that was kind of it. Obviously, he wasn't walking anybody. So, you know, the whip was good. You were getting decent ratios. You mentioned strikeouts were lackluster. And it was, I think, the two step drove it. You mentioned Casey yeah. being the first of, of the two games, and that one already didn't work out for him. So that's already like now you have to hope that he has one of his typical mediocre outings just to break even on what what's already now a probably net negative, for, unless he goes out and has those like six shutout innings or something or six one run innings, then maybe it ends up being a po- overall positive. But you were taking you were taking him to help with ratios and for the matchups, and so far not so good for Tyler Wells. Yeah, because everything just... everything there kind of what he's been doing is just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, is one, this is one reason I love doing podcasts because I could have tweeted like some of those comments out that I was making and people thought I was just being like a, an ass to people because there's like some really smart people that like like Tyler Wells and I just want to like explain like what do you see I just don't I don't get it besides the two-step that's one thing but I think as an industry and as players we're starting to realize not all two steps are worth it anymore so I'm still like what are you seeing in these scenarios but hey to each their own because I will make plenty of my own mistakes as well um Nixon Zell. This is a fun one. I'll, I'll make mistakes on this one, probably. Um, added in 104 leagues, as high as $83, as low as one right now. Knock on wood. Healthy. So we got that going for us. And the dude is I, – I made the comparison on one of my recent shows that, you know, we've seen Jared Kelnick. We've seen Jaron Duran. We've seen Josh Lowe. So many of these, like, failed prospects that is taking a year or two extra is getting it done. Nixon Zale was in that high prospect tier at one point in time. Like there's extreme expectations. He could play all over the infield, he could play the outfield, whatever you need, but he couldn't stay healthy. And I still I'm not like he could have the Byron Buxton disease for all we know. But right now he's come back in 65 plate appearances, 310 average, three homers, two stolen bases, almost an 11% walk rate. I love what I'm seeing from him. He's playing third base and the outfield, even a little bit of second base early on when he first got called up. Um Obviously, a lot can change. I know you'll probably burst my bubble here, but I get it. I understand like the bear rate and the hard hit rate aren't elite by any means. But what are we thinking with Nixon Zell? Because this is a guy that, you know, 
he is only uh, 27 years old. He'll turn 28 this year. He's not that old. And if you look at actual playing time years, he's like 22 because he hasn't been on the field that much. So what are we thinking with Nick Senzel? Because I, I know I'm trying to be optimistic, and maybe it's because all we're getting all these great pitchers getting called up. There's really not a ton of hitters to go diving into these days. So what about Senzel? Well, you mentioned uh, the age based on how much he's played. That, that would make DeGrom like 26, right? Yes. <laughs> his arm anyway. But Because he DeGrom came up as like a shortstop. He wasn't even a pitcher his whole life, if memory yep. serves. So anyway, just get just – going off the track in terms of injury prone players who don't actually have body parts of the, of certain age compared to others. That's weird. Um, Bryce Miller's got nine K's uh, through five and a third. I can't wait to see those fad bids, man. Oh my gosh. He's, he's uh, the first time as always most strikeouts in an MLB debut in Mariners history. He's tied with Enrique Romo in 1977 with nine. I got money on at least 10th coming up here in this inning. So, because he's got a low I, pitch I, count, also he might go. It's seven gonna be, eight. it's gonna be a solid three fifty plus bid type. Oh, of he's gonna period. blow people. Yeah, he skipped AAA, folks. Just remember that. Um, yeah, and it's the A's. Yeah, and it's the A's. That, that part too. So mixing sell. I'm excited to see the bids because I don't think I'm gonna be in at the cost that it's likely gonna take to get them. Not because I don't want to take a shot on them, because I don't have the type of fab left. That would take about half my budget remaining left. I don't know if I'm willing to do that, especially with considering that there's still other prospects are waiting to come up that could be equally as you're talking about bryce miller still yes bryce miller yes thank you for putting the name in there that i'm usually better about doing that but nixon zell yeah so nixon zell what we do with nixon zell is kind of we i feel like we do the song and dance every year don't we (laughs) where he has this really hot stretch and then gets hurt again or has this really hot stretch and then just just suddenly stops he looks good but he's always looked like he's always done this the plate discipline's always been this the the home ballpark is in his favor obviously He's hitting the ball pretty much in line in terms of like barrel rate isn't much better than ever, ever before. The hard hit rate's about in line with, with what we've seen. Max EVs are there. Um, he's elevating the, he is elevating the ball more, which is probably leading to why it's some more success, I, I would say. But I, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where he's very usable, definitely usable, considering playing time and ballpark alone in deeper formats. He gets he's that fringe fifth outfielder. Right now, you're right now he is a fifth outfielder in 12s, but he is still fringe most of the time. And Will Smith, I think, uh, sorry, I'm watching him almost blow a save right now after we talk him up. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those things where, but uh, back to Senzel, it's one of those things where I don't know if this is more than a hot streak or just one of those things where I think he is who he is and he's going to run hot, run cold. But when he's healthy, he's usually pretty solid. So Senzel's a guy that if he's available and you need, you have a need for a little pop, a little speed, some de- some batting average, he's kind of like a, kind of like a guy that's a glue, a glue player where he'll kind of give you chip in a little bit everywhere, I think. I think he's a guy you go out and get then, as long as he's doing it. I got at least one share when we recap. I know that for, I know that much. Uh, just a couple more here. Um, we're not going to talk about Jack Sawinski. He's been talked about a ton, like almost weekly. Went as high as 281, as low as 24 in certain formats in 102 leagues. Um, I just want a quick answer from you here because he's this guy's been documented a ton all over Twitter and everywhere else. I think pretty sure you talked about him on your show, and I've listened before as well. Josiah Gray was picked up in 102 leagues as high as 141, as low as a dollar, similar to the Vinny V question. I, I know the pitch mix has changed tremendously. Now, instead of a heavy fastball, it's more of like a slider off speed guy, minimizing the fastball, which has helped him a ton. Still not getting a ton of strikeouts, though. So what are you doing with Josiah Gray? He's just a guy similar to Vinny V, where I think there's more ceiling here, but at the end of the day, he's more in that 
I'm starting him while he's running hot, and I'm going to utilize Gray to like just. I'm just going to keep him in my lineup while he's producing. I'm. I don't. I think I'm more. If there's more, if, if I have to choose between the two in terms of who's more likely to be a set and forget, so so to speak, quote unquote, you know, because I got as much as you can be one between these two. I think Gray would be the one. Gray is allowing less contact than last year, at least in the in the zone, which is nice. While inducing a little more chases and, and some more swinging swinging strikes, but actually swing strikes are about the same as last year. He's getting more chases, which probably makes sense considering Gray throwing more of his uh his his secondaries this year, getting away from the fastball. The fastball crushed last year, so seeing him get away from it because it wasn't a good fastball in the first place is what we've always wanted. Now I think this is kind of the ceiling for Gray. I don't think there's a and not this is a uh, this is a Josiah Gray we're talking about, not Sonny Gray who's pitching fantastic right now, but Josiah Gray is a guy that's just like. He's making it work. We're talking about the slider usage way up compared to, uh, not way up, sorry, the four-seamer being down more than the, uh, they're both kind of, it's kind of both happening at the same time simultaneously. But the four-seamer being down almost 10% last year from last year is kind of a big deal. The curveball, like he's introducing, it was the cutter, the cutter he introduced a lot. Yeah, last year I think he threw one. This year he's throwing the cutter 14.8% of the time. So he still has a fastball that like, that's kind of become more of like the fastball. It's helping the other ones. I think it's helping the other fastball play up is kind of the thing here. Because the other four, the four seamers are getting crushed nearly as bad. Last year, for reference, the four seamer for for Josiah Gray had a slug of seven forty two with an X slug of six thirty two. So a little, a little unlucky and still terrible. You know what I mean? Woba X Woba clear for over four twenty for both. It was one of those things. This year for the fastball, X Woba two forty nine. So it's like a hundred points lower. The BA XBA on that fastball is two hundred and two twenty two. Slug the slug is sub three hundred. Like he's. It's the fast, the four seam player, the four seam is playing up, and that matters because he does still depend on it 30% of the time. It's just one of those things where Gray's it's not as bad as it was last year in terms of uh, obviously he's producing with it better. And I think this pitch mix is helping it play up. So that's it's encouraging. So what we're seeing, I think there is some sustainability there for him. I just don't know how, I don't know if it's going to be an all season thing, but I do have more confidence in it lasting compared to a Vince Vasquez. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I'd rather go gray over Velasquez if I have to decide between the two, uh, partially because, you know, just age, pedigree, just, there's probably a long list of reasons why. But um, I hope he sticks with this. I'd like to see more strikeouts coming from him, but at the same time, if he can keep the ball in the ballpark by doing this, then that works too. We can work around this scenario and see what happens. Last person we're going to talk about this week, and I had to end it on this note for you, Louis Varland. Added in 99 leagues, as high as $90, as low as one. He's taken over probably for Molly or Maeda, depends on who comes back first. Six innings, six hits, three runs on three solo home runs. A walk in eight Ks in his debut against the Yankees earlier this season. Looked very sharp. A lot of sharp people were talking about how much they liked him. He was pitching great in the minors overall. Uh, pitched pretty well uh, last year in the bigs and five starts for the Twins. So I'll give you the floor. This was your guy. You went deep diving into him this past week. What is it you like about him, and what are you expecting from Louis Varland? Louis Varland's going to – my I guess if you want to give it a bold prediction or a bold take, I'm going to say Louis Varland ends up in the conversation with Bybee and Allen. I think that he can easily be as productive without costing – with costing about a third as much as these guys, and that was kind of the appeal. And, yeah, I think that's a – bold statement but i was i put my money where my mouth was in terms of going and getting them now i'd even pay that much for him compared to others but 
at the end of the day, I did, I've been in on him just because of what he showed that one start. And yes, it's a one start sample, but we also saw him kind of pop up. And I believe it was um on your show. Was it um, uh, Bloom? Uh, was it Bloomfield that mentioned that he was a pop up prospect? I think that was the exact term that he called him too. It was a pop up prospect. We saw the gains in strikeout rate last year for him and stuff. And there's reason for excitement. And the strikeout rates, you know, we saw it pop last year. And we saw it continue this year in AAA. The, the velocity remained in AAA. And the big thing here for Varland was that in the first outing, he gave up those two home runs. But that was like back-to-back in the first inning. And then after that, he settled in. And the velocity was like plus two. I think it was like plus two miles per hour on like fastballs. And I haven't actually – if I can scroll down far enough, I'm like, I tweet too much. <laughs> I tweeted it out. You said I did just tweet it out. I, can't, I just can't find where exactly. I have all this information. And – uh here it is. So plus two and a half on the cutter, plus just under two and a half on the four seam, and plus two point three on the slider. So he's throwing these three pitches over two miles per hour faster. And I think the production we saw outside those two home runs is pretty much. I think the strikeout stuff is legitimate. And he's sitting instead of you know sitting, sitting instead of low nineties, it's like mid to upper nineties on the fastballs and all that. And I'm just like I'm so intrigued by a guy that just made these changes, sustained them, and he's showing this level of production at multiple levels. Louis Varland, I think, I obviously not as proven, but I, I just there's so much there for me to like. I just I'm enamored, and I'm obviously too high on him, probably to put him in that conversation. I think I'm too high on him. I'm probably I need to come. I need to temper my own expectations if I'm putting him in the Bybee conversation. That's not fair. Logan Allen's conversation feels a little more fair. But, uh, yeah, it's probably more fair. But it's it's but it's one of those well, things. Just where do I, this one. Just do this one. Do his, do his own teammate Bailey Ober and Louis Varland. I'd rather have Varland. There you go. But that's because I'm betting, I'm betting on upside. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's that's a fair argument. Like let's compare him to something at least the same price range. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. Now, could the argument be that both those guys were underpriced compared to the guys that brought the more excitement and more unknowns? Because I think yeah. Varland is an equal unknown, but I think he flashed enough. If you if you took if you just looked at the numbers and took away the fact that this guy was like a no name prospect, mm-hmm. I think most people would be excited if you just put any name on this guy that was you know mm-hmm. Louis Varland is probably not the name that anybody thinks. Oh, okay, cool, but I don't know. I can't think of a name right now. I'm tired. But uh, no, I, get, it, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. you, you, you take away the name, you just look at the stats and you're probably well, it's, it's, it's also the hill it's the uh there's so many shiny toys this week that someone always gets missed like he's the land of missing toys and you got him at a discount in reality if he just clean the toys just as shiny as the other ones it's kind of in a roundabout way what you're going with uh, yeah but i also again i'm also <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow when he gets hit for like five earned in four innings and i could be like yeah I, I i was kidding i didn't mean what i said it was lol jk i, I didn't mean it. No, no he's not he's not steven Matz. you're fine yeah well, um, well oh, somebody tweeted something really funny tonight taking i think they took some shots to some people i hope he i hope varling can survive well, I'm, I'm a part of me. A part of me hopes he gets rocked just to bring my hopes down. Because if he goes out and pitches like an ace, I'm gonna be on cloud nine and talking so much crap. It's gonna be unbearable. Not on Twitter in our text messages. I don't take. I victory. know that's all I, I care about. I don't well, care what other people don't see. I don't take victory laps in public yet. Come on, it's, not it's yet. only me. Not yet. Yeah, te- <laughs> no. text could talk. Yeah, I have. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of L's. Don't like Oswaldo. Oswaldo Cabrera is one of them. Um. Uh, a couple others, a couple other notable ones where I was like really in on them and they've helped throw off. So, but the thing is, it's such a, it's so early that you, oh, victory lap, unless it's like a, like Jorge Mateo is probably a victory lap because again, you're already getting so much value on that pick. Even if he slumps for a full month, I think you got, if you, yeah, you got so much, you bank so much production already. That's like one of those things you could take kind of an early lap, but like, 
guys off to slow starts or fast starts. Like I'm not sitting here saying, oh, look, Matt Chapman and, and Josh Young. Those guys are huge wins. Like, no, they're just off to really strong starts. Let's see how they do the whole year. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm not taking wins on them, but also I'm more likely to take a loss right now just because how bad some of these players look. Like, I don't understand. Last I looked, I was Waldo Cabrera, tangent, I know. But Cabrera had like an over a 90, he had like, he was another guy with like a 91 or 92% Z contact rate. I'm a sucker for guys that make that much contact in the zone. You got to think that some of that's, you got to think some of that's going to go over the fence. He's not a zero for power. He's still stealing bases. I think Cabrera is better than he's been. I'm just frustrated because it's not translating as soon as we'd like compared to others. So at the end of the day, um, what I'm getting at, long-winded way of saying that um, tomorrow we're going to see, you know what, we're going to see Varlin shove and outproduce Bybee and Allen this week. Although I have Ooh, Allen too. So There we go. There we go. Big boy talk. The false confidence is here, baby. There we go. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of listener questions before we head on out of here on another fun episode, breaking down a handful of players. Um, I just got to get my pictures to load here, and it's not wanting to. Um, I think we had two questions. Yeah, here we go. Now it's loading up. My phone, I need a new phone. For, I got the internet fixed one thing at a time. Um, <laughs> we'll start with Dave Petrozielli. He's got two questions for us. What do we make of Brent Rooker? Um, so we'll start there. That's the first question. You know, he's got nine home runs. They actually showed a stat during the game. We're watching this A's Mariners game, uh, just outfield stats. Actually, MLB Network tweeted it out. So let me go get the actual stats for you here. Um, it was actually like, I've, I've been writing them up and like, yeah, write it out while it's hot. Enjoy it. It's actually like a pretty legit thing so far, but, um, come on. How many things it basically he's got nine home runs and showed all his ranks. He's leading like in slugging and other stats. He's like fourth in outfielder, uh, batting average and stuff. So bottom line, what are you doing? With, oh, here it is. Just as I'm ready to hang up, hitting 353 fourth best, um, in the MLB. Nine home runs tied for fifth. On base, 465 second in baseball. Slugging, 779 first. WRC plus a 238 first. What are you doing with Brent Rooker? Uh, we talked. We touched on it a little bit earlier that we're just riding it out. I mean, the hard hit rate, 48%, is right in line with other previous seasons, so he hits the ball hard. He is a double-digit barrel rate guy, too. So although 24.1% isn't going to sustain – He's shown us 12.6% and well, that's, but it's such small samples even back then, but still in his largest sample of 119 events, 12.6%. So I think that that like he could easily be a 10 to 12% guy in barrel rate. So although that's not going to be the 24% he's sustaining at this point, it's still reasons for optimism in terms of him actually being that guy. So just hit another double. Gosh, Soto's on fire right now. Sorry. Finally, he's getting some hits. Heating up. Uh, maybe he's finally getting aggressive in parts of the zone he should. But the part, so I think everyone's mentioned this on their podcast in terms of why people aren't necessarily buying into the K rate because you have like really below average contact rates, 74.3% Z contact for reference compared to 85.2% overall, uh, uh, sorry, league average Z contact. So like 11% difference between league average and his actual Z contact and about the same 11% in overall contact being below league average contact rates. And that comes with barely being above average in chasing while being substantially below league average in swinging strikes. So I don't understand, like, although he's not being overly aggressive, he there's a lot of swing and miss and not a lot of contact. So I'm surprised that these strikeouts for Rooker haven't creeped up. I do think that they're going to, but at the end of the day, the power, I think, as long as he's playing every day, I think the power will stay. I think he, I think that's what he can bring. I think the barrel rate and the hard hit rate, those are two stats that 
I think are more more there's more legitimacy to those than there are to most of his numbers. So if you're okay with the fact that the batting average is probably gonna start slipping, the K rate should probably increase more than likely. I'd be as long as you, if you need power, I think Rooker's power production is legitimate at the very least. Maybe not the same pace, you know, he's not gonna hit what 60 home runs almost if you pace it out like that. But I think he can hit another 20 this year. That shouldn't really surprise anybody. Rapid fire, Brent Rooker or Joey Gallo? I'm gonna take Gallo. Okay, I was curious. Uh, see where that discussion well, leads. It's kind not. of the same player. If, 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 if I point. if that's I think point. if I think he's gonna well, that's the thing. Do I think he's gonna double his K rate? And I don't know if it's gonna get up to there. But I if don't you think look he at, doubles it. But yeah, if you look at Rooker's, if you look at Rooker's track record, he's always been 28, 27, 30 percent strikeout rate. It's at 18.6, and he's what 30, 31. I hey, don't maybe suddenly he's taking, buy. Maybe- He's 28. 28. Holy crap. I thought he was older. He's young. That's what I'm oh. saying. Like, he's not he's young that old. old. Like, this he's could be old. an actual, like, change. Or is it, or is he Joey Manessas of this year? It, it could be, and, that, and that's a heck of a year to have. We'll worry about it next year, type thing. Yeah. But it's also happening at the beginning of the year compared to the end, compared sure. to like him and like Schwindel. Or is it an Oakland thing and he's getting the Matt Olson improved strikeout rate? The, the Seth Brown, Seth Brown random breakout in his mid to late 20s. Yeah. Um, I still don't necessarily buy the strikeouts, but at the end of the day, like I said, the power, like rest of the season projections, 16 home, more home runs from like street, Steamer and Zips, and the bat has them for 10 more. ATC has them for 14 more. I think that that's fair. I think the 14, I think I'm more along long lines with Steamer and ATC, 14 to 16 more. That still puts him at almost 30 home runs. It puts him at like mid 20s, I should say, which is still from somebody you got off the waiver wire. I, I like I like where I like the rest of the season. I, I think that's yeah. fair to expect. It's pretty solid. Like I, I think it's a a pretty interesting situation, and I think I'd almost that's tough. I'd almost take Rooker over Gallo. I think honestly, but it's yeah. uh, it's tough. I, I, I think they're I kind of the same profiles. Kind of they like are, but who, I think, who's playing better? <laughs> I, think, I think Rooker would have a better average overall, but we'll see. Might be um, safer for playing time too going forward, considering unless uh, Seth Brown's going to return. But even then, you still have Kurloff who needs to find a spot, and then they have guys like Kyle Lewis returning in Minnesota. They have guys like um, they have uh, what's his face, Julian Julian. I think is how you pronounce it. I, I, I just want to change the subject real quick. I am terrified of going on Twitter when we're done with this show soon. Did you Mason, see the- Mil- Mason Miller just thought through seven innings, four walks, six Ks, no hitter. Through he's at a hundred pitches. Yeah, I you know, hundred pitches and seven innings for Mason Miller, that would blow up Twitter right now. So can't wait to see where that one heads here in a bit. Um I mean, it makes us wrong for being concerned about the pitch count of if, if they're letting but, if they're letting him if they're letting him go hundred yeah. pitches in an, an outing, yeah. that's already making me feel like wow. I, I mean again, I'm an idiot. But we'll see. Yes, yes and no, because you can't how many get innings is he, how many innings are gonna give him because he can't give go crazy with that part, so that's what I'm we'll saying. See. Like we'll see, but yeah, it's a great outing. Nevertheless, you should be happy because people who drafted them drafted Miller for uh, the strikeouts and for the ratios, and they're getting those tonight after a yep. first couple of outings not being so great. So I think by the end of the day, that was kind of my biggest concern. I, I think we all knew the strikeouts and ratios were coming. It's the lack of wins and the lack of innings, and so far. But right now, beggars can't be choosers. You're taking those Ks and ratios to the bank for sure. And I think a lot of it goes back to what we talked about. You kind of play for the now. You can't really – maybe we should have been more along that lines of thinking with him. But at the end of the day, I also we also knew that there was a lot more pitcher prospects coming up. So if we believe Logan Allen can be solid, if we believe Bybee can be solid, we attacked we attacked the same concept but with different with, – with more secure options Bingo. on better teams too. So the there's, that's line. why – 
Yeah, look at Mason Miller, 100 pitches, 46 of them were balls. That's not yeah. ideal. Uh, like not ideal. So we'll see where this keeps going. Great start, though. The kids got some good stuff. It was fun to watch the Battle of the Millers in Oakland. The other question Dave had, and this will be a great one for you, is was his bid on Varland in the main too big at $85, even though I didn't get him? Pitching is scarce, and that's why I bumped that up. That bumped that up. Vlad didn't think over a hundred was worth it. What did you win him for again? Well, we, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But you think eighty five mm, was too much? No, see, I I wasn't there with him at the time. I did, but after seeing the bids, I realized I was wrong to think that it was too much. I again, I wasn't. Sh- I'm I'm new to mains, so I I understand the sharp players, but there's also some very aggressive bidders compared to others. My league. Is it's been very aggressive with some players, but then the guys like Varland, I got him for like forty-one bucks, and that was probably one of the cheaper buys of the night for for fifteens. Meanwhile, he bid twice as much as me and didn't get him. And again, in my league, Bybee wasn't even available, so I'm surprised Varland didn't get pushed up more. I would I would have bid more on Bar- on Varland had I realized these other prospects were already taken. Stone isn't available. Guys like that aren't they're not going to become available to me like like you know like others other leagues will have. Uh, but yeah, that was one of those things where I'm like, I'm surprised I got him for I got. I thought my price was still not going to be quite enough, and I'm I was happy to get him at it. But I didn't. I thought 85 would have been. I, 85 was a solid bid. I thought that was a very aggressive bid at that the time. Fine with me for sure. Uh, the fact that he that, didn't get him. Good. Well, I mean, tough we, I'm gonna look up. I gotta look it up real quick in terms of um. Let's look up main event and just see what he went for because he's gonna be one of the top ads. The max bid was in 163. The min was 24. So yeah, there you go. That's like, fine. 85 85 like right now 85 would have been the like a top 15 ish bid for him because um there was there was only one two three four five six seven eight nine bids over 100 on varland last uh, last night and and mitsef he tweeted he was the one who showed off he he bid 104 on them seven of those times he was seven of those bids alone because he plays that many main events so he plays that many main events that many main events jesus christ I wish I had the type of money. <laughs> yeah, <no shit. laughs> hey, if I win, if I can win, you know what I mean? If I can win. If, if, hands and butts. Yeah. I, if I can win my own league, I'm not saying overall. If I can win my league, that's at least two main events next year is how I look there at it. There you go. Look but, at um, doubling up. That's exactly. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I'm, You know me, I'm not a huge fab guy. I like to do one or two leagues at most. But yeah, so that goes to show you that one guy, and I bet you, I think one of the leagues where, I think that was one of the leagues where he, uh, that you mentioned, Dave, was it Dave you mentioned, right? Yeah. Dave mentioned that he lost out. I bet you it was one of those leagues. But, yeah, even then. And, okay, so this is the funny part. So beyond him on main events, four of the bids that went for 88 that were, more, you know, again, we're talking about bids above 85, were for the same owner. So two managers were responsible for, like, 13 of the 15 or 16 bids above 85 for reference. So it was one of those things where his bid was a very aggressive one and would have won outside most of the leagues where again outside the leagues where these two managers were really being aggressive on them yep uh, just i feel you there one of those things where like my bid was like one two three four five six seven eight eighth from the bottom oh, was the eighth best best price mine was eighth best price just shows there's no rhyme or reason when we do all this kind of stuff uh speaking of which let's review some of our uh, our fab for the week you got that available yeah, I have. I know mine off the top of my heart, off the top of my head this week because uh, very, what do you very got? fun. So I won. I mentioned I obviously I won Varland forty one to thirty nine, and I made a tough drop. I, everybody out. I had I got Christopher Morel last two weeks ago. I, I stashed him for five bucks. I dropped Morel because 
this was a week where I'm like, I just can't afford to keep stashing people. I need players that aren't going to get me zeros. And I wanted to get ahead on the pitching. And But Morrell was the only drop I was willing to like, – the only person I was willing to drop Morrell for was Varland. So I got Varland, and that was kind of like, okay, I swapped – drop because at the end of the day, Varland wasn't guaranteed. We just kind of assumed it. So we were right, but it wasn't ever a guarantee. So I didn't want to drop anybody that was going to guarantee me production. And, you know, I'm not a huge uh, morale guy. So although I was trying to get ahead of the market, I think somebody's going to spend some solid fab on this week. And I'm okay losing them for that purpose. The other guy I got was uh, Logan Allen. I got him 163 to 162, I think it was. That's pretty oh, solid. The, the, the unicorn bid, I think, is what they, they look at that. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. although it wasn't the same exact bid price, I would have lost. Had I tied, I would have lost because uh, I, was, I was ahead in standings. That's but, good uh, you so got I, there. So I got Logan Allen by a dollar which is always sweet. And then I got an uncontested $6 Kyle Stowers just for the fact that he's a power upside play. Kansas, he gets two righties in KC this week, assuming that he's on the strong side of platoon. I don't see that. I don't see why they would call him up and not give him the strong side as the lefty, but it was 164, 163, by the way, um, I dropped turn ball. And then, yeah, I got uncontested Kyle Stowers. So yeah, Stowers, my third pick six bucks. And just to see where that goes, it was hitting well in triple a and, I kind of just plugged him in, hoping that he's going to actually get the strong side of the platoon, gets five righties out of six if memory serves. That was part of the reasoning, yeah. two of those being this early in the week against uh, Casey's pitching. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Um, my three OCs, my first one, got Tanner Bybee, dropped Robbie Ray. God, that felt good. Uh, I bid 266 because I needed pitching in this league, so that was like my most aggressive bids. Runner-up was 187, so I overspent, but I wanted to get him for sure in that one. That was my only acquisition that week in that league. Um, OC2, got Tanner Bybee. I need to pitch you on this one, too. Drop Kyle Finnegan, who I think is about to lose his job. Um, 266, runner-up at 237. Added bruised our Gratterall. Like, I'd rather get rid of Finnegan and get Gratterall in the end here. Uh, Drop Joey LaCasey, 44 for 31. That was before we knew Joey had a two-step, which he might not get now because of the rain out, so that'll change things. Um and then I added Kevin Smith of Oakland, dropped Elvis Andrus 12 to 0. This is more of a spec thing. I, I knew I should have gotten a lot cheaper here. This one, this one pissed me off because I knew I could have probably just done like three bucks and been fine. Obviously, I could have done one and been more than fine. Kevin Smith is an interesting one to me. And the problem is he might be back in AAA by now or he or soon. Um, there's just a lot that I like underneath the hood there. There's a ton of strikeouts and no walks. That's a problem. But there's a lot of power. If Oakland just said, screw it, let's see what the kids got. He is a power speed machine in the minor leagues. Like, and he was playing pretty regularly there for a little stretch. So I was very like interested in um in seeing what he had to offer. I should have just gone cheaper. Um, we'll see where that one goes. I added Paven Smith, dropped Ben Intendi six to zero. Ben Intendi's okay average, no homers, four steals. Like in a 12, it's nothing. Uh, and then I added Randall Gritchick, dropped David VR. Gritchick's back, uh, decent couple games, $6 to zero. So a couple cheapies to add on to on that one. And then in my last OC, uh, this is where I did not get Tanner Bybee. He went for 254. I did a 233 bid in this one. Uh, Logan Allen got him for 112, runner up of 83, dropped Jose Quijada after he's pretty much gone. Added Nixon Zell, dropped Garrett Cooper, 13 to 10. Got Connor Joe, dropped Alex Wood after now the news is out. Alex Wood might be coming back real soon. So that was awesome. Uh, 12 to none. And I got Michael King, dropped Joey Lacassi, three to zero in that one. Three to zero. I had King on all my waterfalls, but not all of them got that far. 
I won't go through all my other leagues, but just realize I got Tanner by me pretty much everywhere. Now um, you mentioned you don't usually do those types of aggressive bids. Why did, did you just say screw it and go for a guy that you think could be a difference maker? Did you want to take? Did you kind of just say screw it? I'm going to take my one shot here. That's how I looked at Logan Allen and Bybee as kind of like I'm going to take my shot here. And I usually am kind of like you because last time I spent my my biggest bid of the season prior was freaking Bubich or Bubich with uh and of course you know how that turned out burned burned a hole in my wallet. So yeah, I figured uh. One of those things where I'm like, oh man, uh, I guess I'm gonna take my shot here, and this is my last big, uh, big hit of the of the in terms of fab for now. I think, although I might yeah. again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just ignore Bryce Miller. Yeah. I'm gonna put in a keep him honest bid at the very least. I'll put keep him honest on everything, and you know, I still have like five ish, six hundred bucks in most leagues. I guess like it's this thing. These are twelves. So yeah, um, in the next couple can- of months, like I got king for three bucks. I could get a bunch of um guys you. for anywhere from like 10 to 20 bucks and keep kind of grinding it out as we went what i was looking at is we're a month into the season and i know we're not supposed to go crazy over whatever but in the leagues i really wanted tanner bybee in is where i needed pitching help and i'm like this yeah, dude true. he could go 160 innings maybe more give or take we'll see maybe he goes only 150 those will be good 150 i think like this is a game changer type pitcher i'm looking around like there's going to be more. There was Logan Allen, Varlin's there. Now we got Bryce Miller. He wasn't even supposed to be close to coming up. He's coming up. Uh, Fought. Uh, Gavin Stone's coming up. There's going to be Libator. There's tons of them. Maybe Gavin Williams even comes up with Cleveland later. But this is here. It's like the bird in the hand type situation. Like he's here now. Let's go get him and get as many starts as we can out of him. That's one thing I learned when I got smoked by Guilds last year. I was in the league where he won the overall. And I, I grinded it out the whole way just to try to finish as high as I could. And he said, like, he hated our league because we were always just, like, making and bid on stuff and do things. And I learned a lot by watching him because it doesn't work all the time, no, but he's aggressive for game-changing type players because if it does hit it, it's a game-changer, obviously. So it's a it's a thing I'm trying to change. Like, I'm not going to do the four or $500 bids. I don't think you'll ever see that from me ever. 266 was massive for me. Like, the most before that was, like, 150-ish for me. So you're not going to see it very often unless I think it's a dude that's nuts. Like I was really mad because a part of it could have been reactionary to Taj Bradley. I know he's not up anymore, but seeing how good he was and the impact he could make once he comes back, that's big. I wanted to get that with Tanner Bybee now, not knowing when the rest will come, even though you knew Fop would be coming soon, Stone would be coming soon. You just didn't have the right things. Bryce Miller, I can't wait to see the bids like you said. Like he's freakish good hasn't pitched above double a so we'll have to see how that all pans out but um look darn good against oakland which if you know if he failed this test he might send him back to single a afterwards um but that's why i was aggressive it was more of a like my and and, and the, the where i was struggling and pitching on these teams they're still high in the standings like so i want to keep the push keep pushing keep pushing don't just sit and wait and fall back keep pushing forward so it's just kind of that kind of philosophy no, absolutely. I I get it. I thought I, I liked when I didn't get in on Taj. My big reason was I was saving Fab for other reasons. Plus, I had I had strong pitching. Well, lost Woodruff, and I'm like, you know what? This was kind of these were kind of the prospects I was hoping would come up, and they just came up a little sooner than expected. So I this is where I was like, well, I said I was gonna go for one of these guys. I ended up getting Logan Allen, like I mentioned, and that was kind of why I kind of made that stand of I'm going for one, and I wanted to get. I was actually targeting. I think he was one of the guys I was targeting for sure it was just one of those things where i'm like but then the taj thing was like oh that also put it in perspective i'm like 
I don't, I'm kind of like part of why I faded Taj was also didn't trust the Rays. And I guess I guess I had a good reason for that. Even though I started regretting it, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna act like, oh, I was right. No, I started regretting it. And honestly, if Taj is back in two weeks, I'm gonna regret it still because he's probably gonna come back, be really solid. And I shouldn't have been out on him. I should have been. I started start thinking about it. I think Gills was actually another guy I was talking to. He's like, look, you have great pitching. You don't want to take that for granted. You want to build on that and attack what's coming up. And I was Dominate. like, you know, you're right. 100% correct. I just, felt that Taj was going to be I felt like guys like Bybee and all these would be in that same conversation and that's why I was willing to kind of wait and see what would happen save my fab while others were you know spending more and uh go from that and but then he also was like oh you have to remember only one person won Taj these other guys are probably gonna be just as in on the other guys I'm like yeah you're probably right too but then obviously I went back and looked and realized my team was pretty aggressive overall my my team my league was overall rather aggressive so you have to you take that into you can see certain players. I know there's there's one guy that I I don't think I've seen them bid over eighty bucks on players. So I don't know if they really want somebody. It's gonna be in the eight dollar range. So so it's like there's like that, but there's guys where it's like oh crap, they're bidding like two hundred dollars on like Will Smith and Brock Boxberger went for like over hundred bucks. I'm like oh, so there's that level of aggression too, depending on the on the manager. So it's about it's also about knowing your league, looking tra- looking at trends, seeing how they spend, and realizing and I, I think i got lucky this week at the end of the day i put in what i felt were good bids and then looking at the market i realized my i got things for i got players for way cheaper but then guys like king where i was in on michael king that uh i didn't get him because i was only three dollars was my bid and he ended up going for like 13 or 12 in my league so i was like i was like three or four bucks i was written real cheap just trying to get him as a waterfall fallback didn't get him because i was outbid on him and then now as the Clay Holmes manager, I kind of wish I was more aggressive. <laughs> sort of going back to my misery. Hope all of you are enjoying this. If you're still here an hour and a half in, just know that I am uh, I'm really upset. I'm going to have to be aggressive on closers. My league probably knows that by now, though, so it's not really a secret. Well, we'll see. And maybe next week we'll see where it goes from here. As we recap week six, if you're available, as usual, we'll talk later in the week and see how that's going. But uh, before we head on out of here, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners as we uh, – we're over a month into the season now, and um, obviously a long, long, long ways to go, but at the same time, a lot of uh, ways we can improve to get to the end. So what are your thoughts? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> what do you do? You swim and sink to the bottom of the ocean and drown. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. I mean, last week I wished for home runs and I got them. This week I'm just just keep just try to stay afloat, man. Just try to stay afloat. I'm not even trying to try to be. Uh, that's it. Just keep it simple. One week I ask for. I have one wish a week. It's kind of becoming a thing now. I forgot my home runs this week. I'm just trying to stay afloat. Yep, I feel you there. Keep grinding. This is why baseball is like not for everybody. It's a war of attrition at times. Like we played a month, we've worked hard for a month, and we got a long ways to go. So. Keep on going. It's fun. I like seeing all these young kids getting called up. It's pretty cool for baseball. Now we just need guys to stay healthy. Like J-Rod needs to get back in the lineup. Carbon Carroll, get back in the lineup. Let's get things together. Stop killing our pitchers. All that kind of stuff. See where it goes and uh, go from there. But make sure you guys check out Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I'm on Twitter at BD Entrick. Check us out at Game of the Edge Fantasy on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash GTE Fantasy for as low as $5 a month. You can hang out with us in the Discord and get some of the articles. So come check that out. But uh, that'll do it. This was Ben's with Bubba, episode 587, your week five recap and more. Catch y'all later.
fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy